When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is the bear market coming back to bite us? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tom Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, it's so good to see you. Nice to see you, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Um, yeah, so far, it's been uh, quite a year. Um, it's, you know, just complete chaos. <laughs> I, know. I, we, we, I was joking with somebody after grabbing a quick bite saying, back to the trenches. And it kind of feels like that. I mean, you you just said to me literally before we came on air, you feel like it's going to be a war this year. I, I think it is. I think it's going to be more of the same. But we had a lot of uh, really low-hanging fruit for shorts last year. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity on the long side, but I just don't think we're there right yet. And I think earnings are always going to be treacherous. There's, um, you know, you've seen a lot of, you know, names uh, come out already in the banks and some of them, you know, Morgan Stanley went up, um, Goldman went down. You just mm. had a lot of dispersion. So I, I think it's just going to be a very, again, another tactical year. Um, not easy. And, um, but, you know, we'll we'll do the best we can. That's what yeah. we do. I think it's worth right at, you know, right at the top, um, just, when you're a, when you when you have to sort of face something like that, how should people be thinking about this? Because it's like, oh, you know, I think people coming into this kind of exhausted from last year. All the correlations seemed out of whack. A lot of people got caught on different sides of things. When you're facing that kind of, you know, there's no one big clear theme you can hop on. No low hanging fruit. What do we have to focus on? Like, what, what? How should people kind of prepare themselves for that? Well, one of the things that I tell my um, followers and subscribers, um, I, I try to make sure I keep my sizing down to appropriate levels to where uh, I'm not going to blow myself up or anybody else um, on one particular idea. Um, so, for example, I'm just glancing over here. I have I'm I covered two thirds of my Netflix short today with a little bit of a gain, and now it's up eight percent. So I have a one percent short position in Netflix and it's going against me. So I will survive uh, this um, with a nick and not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, hemorrhaging uh, blood all over the place. So it'll be fine. So I think sizing things is really uh, very, very important, um, especially around earnings. 
Yeah, that's that's a great point, and I I I think it's really important to get get that up there right at the top, right? Because this is what's going to sort of ha hopefully help everyone get through this. And if inevitably you're going to be on the wrong side of something, but let's talk about sort of how you're feeling about some of this. So you, I don't Netflix is coming out. Obviously, everyone, if you're sort of glued to your screen, so we'll we'll try to keep an it's, eye on when it does. It's out. It's out. Okay. It's up seven percent. Okay, so it's good. It's 8%. better than expected. It's, it's okay. You know. Um, <laughs> I've traded it enough, and I, I wrote today just how it, it terrifies me, uh, because you could be totally right on the fundamentals, uh, but the positioning could be offsides. The one thing about Netflix right now, and why I was short, and I covered some again at a small gain today, um, but I, I I I looked at it, and the short interest is it, it's not existent. There's nobody short this stock right now, so it's uh, I, I track that stuff really really closely, and I. I could see it and say, well, you know, I don't think we're going to have a squeeze higher. It's up 7%. If it doesn't move up more, um, you know, I think that's going to be just long sellers taking profits um, after this. So I, I you know, I, I kind of expected it. I've been in, on, in this one uh, long enough and um, fought a few battles with it. So that was it. There were some exhaustion signals. I got, you know, I got some downside and uh, kept 1% just to keep my heart beating uh, after hours today. Um, and that is, that is this is where time horizon matters. I'd be really interested once we dig into the details to see what, what it was, where they beat. Um, we also, uh, for anyone who has been watching Three Ideas on the platform, had somebody who was a, a Netflix ball a little bit further out and laid out some really good parameters of what they're looking for if you want to be bullish that stock, but that's very much more a medium long-term view as opposed to, you know, your positioning, which tends to be a little bit shorter terms. Yeah, so that's time, yeah, that time horizon matters an awful lot. I encourage you all to go check out um, that interview with Beth on why she's, it's three big tech names that she's looking at. Very interesting stuff. Um, everyone already, Tom, you know, is asking the question, what do you think about Tesla? Um, Tom is always, oh, for those who, who don't know, is brave enough to put his views out there on Tesla to the abuse of many um, on Twitter and elsewhere. But um, how are you feeling about that stock right now? I'm still I'm still short the stock. I, I covered a little um, recently. Uh, I've traded it with put spreads and I'm short the stock. Uh, my cost is at 280, so I'm not necessarily overly concerned that um, I'm going to lose money on this ever. Um, but what's happening right now is that they're, they cut prices, uh, they're trying to move metal, and uh, they have a demand problem uh, globally. And if you cut prices, they're going to be able to uh, qualify for the IRA uh, tax deduction. That is, if you, fit, you know, you got to go through a few hoops and you got to have a certain income uh, level that can't be too much. Um, so I think that they're just trying to get rid of inventory. It's never a good sign when any company has a high level of inventory and they start to see demand falling off. And the Tesla bulls will say, no, there's no de you know, demand problem. Um, but look, they're going into recession right now, or we're going into a recession. It could be mild. And even if it is mild uh, with higher interest rates, uh, it's gonna be harder for people to buy or lease cars um, with higher rates. And, you know, those cars aren't cheap and they haven't really made any changes to the cars in five years. And so it's like maybe there's a lot of other alternatives out there. 
I just think also there's the other things, the noise from Elon. Um, he's on trial this week uh, for his funding secured 420 uh, tweet that was, as we know all, it was false, but he's trying to defend himself on that. I don't think that's going to go well for him. Uh, there's also stories out today and actually yesterday talking about how in 2016, one of their engineers for their self-driving did a video, but it wasn't, you know, fully self-driving. They they mocked it up with a, a data plan for the computer to follow, and they cut the camera footage uh, along the way. That's just deceptive. And if you remember the Nicola founder, founder uh, Trevor, um, uh, Trevor, uh, I want to say, what is his name? Uh, Trevor, um, I don't know, I uh, just blanked, uh, live TV people. Um, he had his semi-truck glide down a hill and filmed it and said, this is what we're doing. And I don't know how that's different from what Elon did in 2016, which, you know, he's saying all the cars are gonna be full self-driving and people have been paying for it forever. Uh, I don't know how he got away with that. Um, so it's, um, you know, I think he's under, there's some risk there. And if this thing breaks, I think it's going to take down the loans as well. So I, I had a conversation with, um, uh, Jared, uh, Dillian, uh, today, and, and he's been saying, you know, the Tesla bears are, are too confident. They're, 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 the sentiment is overshot on the downside. And he thinks that stock's going to rally. It could, but I said, I think that it's he's wrong because I've been watching Twitter spaces and all these Tesla bulls are doing these spaces and one's you know titled Tesla will triple in 2023. I mean, that seems pretty bullish to me. They're not capitulating and mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's capitulated at all in the entire market. So so there's that too. So Yeah. All good reasoning. Now, now you all know why, you know, what Tom's sort of fundamental point of view on this is, as well as I think some of the positioning issues. Um, by the way, if you have questions, you know what to do. Live chat on the platform. It's back. Uh, chat on YouTube and on, you can get a tweet us on at Real Vision on Twitter. If you're really nice to Tommy, maybe he'll send you some of his new swag that he's sporting. We'll see. Oh, yeah. I have my new, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you need I know. To Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. So, Tom, we've got some really good questions. I, Trevor, I, I just want to... Wait, hold on. Trevor Milton. Milton, yeah. Sorry. I, I actually looked it up while you were talking because um, I also forgot and then I moved on. I already forgot. Um, uh, I want to... Before we get to some of these questions, I want to ask you... Um, about earnings in general. I mean, are you, how are you feeling going into this? Are you, are you looking for shorting opportunities? Are you feeling optimistic? Well, I, I, I really would like to find more long opportunities. And I, I did buy some longs, uh, covered a lot late in the year, very late. And then I got long some typical things that you would think would move up, uh, which did. Uh, Amazon was my largest position up until yesterday, I took some off. 
but I think that you have to sort of rent things that are going to work if the market's going to rally. And I didn't get like the huge amount of DeMarc buy signals that I normally do at lows. So I had to sort of squeam, you know, be a little squeamish for buying some of these. Um, and I've added shorts uh, on the way up. Now, earnings, I like to do earnings previews that I, I look at positioning and I'll look at the charts with the DeMarc indicators and those work pretty well. And then I'll look at short interest and put call ratios within those those stocks. So for example, if I see a, a company that has very low short interest um, ahead of earnings, and let's just say there's been a lot of call buying, like heavy call buying, and we can identify that with the data that we use, that gives me the impression that people are going to be over, overly long going into these reports. And typically, people buy calls and puts at the exact wrong time. And we can spot that um, and we do that. And we did that uh, the other day for uh, UAL and we did it yesterday for Alcoa and those worked out pretty well. And we covered those today with, with gains. Uh, didn't work with Morgan Stanley. I, I like to sometimes bring up the ones I didn't, <laughs> that don't work. Um, just to keep it real, but that uh, um, has been really pretty good. And I keep my sizing down, so these are just like little hits. Uh, I don't have any big themes right now. Uh, I would like to see the market get get hit a little harder, um, and then we can start looking for uh, some longs. Um, but right now, it's just it's kind of a tough place right now. I, I'm just finding more short ideas, um, and I, I would again, I I know people would rather me find long ideas but I just can't. I just, I am true to what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that answers uh, quant smart growth. I think that answers your question because he was just asking if there's a sector that is interesting to long ahead of the earnings season. I think the next question we have to ask is one that Colin just referenced, which is, is it best to sit back while the market is obsessed by ultra short, short dated options trading? Yeah, that's been really pretty remarkable uh, to watch. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have, have said, oh, it was the short-term retail meme traders doing it all. But I think there's an institutional arm of, of these people doing it, partly because, I mean, not to get too technical, but with the zero uh, data expiry options, uh, they close them out that day and they don't have to report those to their prime broker or hedge funds, prime broker like Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley, where the funds are all collected. Um, they don't have to report that, so it, it doesn't affect their margin capability. So that's something to consider of why you're seeing a lot of it. Bottom line is, it's pure, insane gambling uh, by these traders for what they're doing and uh, day trading on steroids. Um, okay, this is that's a very, very important point to make, and it is complicated. Um, there is a t great Twitter thread on this as well. I don't know if you saw it, Tom. I'm blanking on, on exactly who posted it. I bookmarked it today. I will share it with everyone afterwards. It's really informative on this very topic. We're going to have Jem Carson on tomorrow, who is um, you know, super deep in the options and volatility world, and hopefully he'll shed some more light on it as well in our extended Friday uh, daily briefing. So, so check that I'll, out. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be watching it. Yeah, we're going to dig into that a little bit because I, I think this okay, is- Okay, so really my, 
So just update. I remember we've always done these like little updates um, on. Um, I, I did it with Ash when GameStop was going crazy, but yes, Netflix is starting to fade now because uh, I'm seeing that uh, uh, Hastings, the CEO, is giving up his title as CEO. So oh, really? Uh, yeah, or co-CEO or something, but that doesn't sound great. But it's only up three percent. What am I going to do? I'm not going to, you know, I don't sweat. Yeah. Even if it's up 8%, did you see me sweat? No, not at all. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's when you stick to what you know and make sure you're sized correctly and live to fight another day. We're, we'll all have to watch that and dig into that. Um, I mean, if he's moving off, we've seen this before in tech companies, if they're moving off to be the visionary focused on product and they put some more Wall Street friendly people in, in positions of cost control with Parade at Alpha, you know, this has happened before at Alphabet. Um, and sometimes it works, but, um, you know, maybe this isn't another science. We'll have to look into, you know, what that's all about, but that could potentially be very interesting. Yeah, but just one, one other thing is I, I, I traded media for a long time at my old, he old hedge fund. So I am long Disney, which is working, and I'm long Paramount, which I'm still a little underwater, and I'm probably going to buy more Paramount. Um, I wanted to wait after Netflix and see how, you know, go through the report and see uh, any, if I can pull anything out of that, but, uh, I, so I'm long Disney, uh, long Paramount, um, Interesting. You know, those are more value, uh, or I was going to say that's what everyone comments about Disney's value stock and people argue whether it's going to be growth longer term Paramount. Is that because you're a sort of Yellowstone fan? What's going on with that? I like Yellowstone a lot. Who I does? Do. <laughs> I do. And, they have, the, they they have made the handle on every hit show. It seems like they made a fatal mistake. Paramount made a fatal mistake. They sold the rights for streaming to NBC Comcast but not the spin-offs. So that's, you know, they sort of missed it on that, so. Yeah, but the spin-offs in and of themselves, I'm sure we've got, uh, I'm sure we've got some, um, oh, this is an interesting question. I'm sure we got a lot of fans out there. You guys are on fire. There are so many fantastic questions. Let me take a, let okay, me take a Okay, let's go through here. it. I won't, I won't just, I won't ramble. I promise. No, no, you have to. You're, those are your answers, Tommy. That's why I'm asking you the questions. Um, let me, um, this is a question from Roger from the RV site. Is now a good time to get back? This is completely off topic what we're talking about, but I'm curious your thoughts. Is now a good time to get back into energy or should I wait for a better entry? You no, looking at energy? Not, you know, the, the thing is I, I'm, I've, I've been long energy for a while and I, I was out of it recently, not, not too long ago. Uh, and I really would like to see a pullback and the best time to buy energy seasonality wise is the the end of january which we're getting there in the beginning of february through may and so i'm hopeful that we'll get some pullbacks uh in this group uh, hopefully uh so we can buy it when uh president biden says he wants to reload the uh spr which will be real fun in the energy yeah. world i a lot of uh, people looking at energy have been thinking about the China reopening as a as a theme. I mean, you said before there isn't really a major theme that you can grab onto. Um, and in fact, some of the things that you're shorting look like they're kind of in the industrial space. How are you thinking about the China reopening? Yeah, the, um, I, I, th I actually I'm seeing a lot. I'm getting a lot of DeMarc exhaustion signals mm. uh, with the China ETFs, the FXI. Uh, Alibaba has one uh, and developing one right now. A few others. I have copper with uh, cell countdown 13s. I think that those are a little bit 
priced in right now. Um, they've had good runs, so I'm short a few copper-related ideas. I mean, look at Alcoa said that their earnings aren't going to be necessarily great for the rest of the year. And you've got China reopening, and then maybe that's offset by other weaknesses in, you know, in Europe or in the U.S. So I, it, it could be, it could start to get priced in. I think there's going to be a, another entry into China stuff, but uh, at first you probably need it to come down. Mm. Uh, and that is, uh, so Hob, I'm not sure if that answered your question. Um, with China coming back online and oil looking like it wants to break out, isn't the Fed more likely to have to do more, which would cause the recession to be worse? Also, could this setup explain the gold rally? Um, do you worry? So it's looking at some of these moves for stocks are looking exhausted on China reopening. Are you thinking about anything in relative to bonds? Uh, well, I, I, I'm okay. So a little bit of a framework. Uh, I'm starting to see exhaustion signals um, for the dollar to be bought. So the downside exhaustion signals. The DeMarc signals nailed the dollar at the highs. Um, and I, I think that bonds could continue to rally, but I don't think that it will be necessarily great for the Fed. I think that they're going to keep going. So my view on the Fed is that they're going to do 25 basis points for the next two months. There's a big, and that's, uh, you know, the beginning of February and and March, and then they have a big lag time to May. And I think that's going to be a real nail biter to see if they're going to continue uh, or they're going to pause. But the bottom line is I don't think they're going to turn around and cut rates twice at the end of the year. And if the market smells that, uh, they're going to, the market's going to go higher and that's going to, you know, loosen financial conditions. Mm. And there's the risk of inflation coming back. And again, if energy and the SPR and all everything lines up with China, that's going to be inflationary. I mean, gasoline futures are up nearly 10% uh, and since the December lows. So you're going to see the uh, the January CPI next month uh, with a higher energy cost. Uh, Jamie Dimon was, was uh, uh, J.P. Morgan was talking about the same thing, thinking there's going to be sort of an upside surprise on rates. He thinks inflation's sticky. He's looking at the labor market. He also was banging on about the debt ceiling, warning U.S. politicians not to play games with the U.S. debt ceiling. Is this something you're concerned about? I mean, the markets, every time this comes up, it's like an old chestnut at this point, and it goes down to the wire. It's kind of an embarrassment, and then they somehow resolve it. You worried any that, that things will be different this time? You know something, I it, it's like a kabuki theater. Of you have this giant drama that's played out between both sides and they're threatening default and they're gonna stick to their guns. But at the last minute, lo and behold, they work something out and there's all these back office dealings that their cons constituents will get and nothing really gets solved. They'll just kick it down the, the, the can down the street for another six months or a year or even less. Uh, but I, I'm actually with Bill Dudley, who came out and was talking about how they should just eliminate it. I think it um, it really doesn't make sense because the Fed has already initiated a lot of programs to, with the uh, Treasury where they will buy uh, defaulted uh, Treasuries if that was the case. Um, they would they would do that. So it really sort of I don't think we're going to have a 2011 uh, downgrade issue again. I think that was just sort of like. Pull yourself together, you guys. You're just 
that's why S and P did that. It just was stupid. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the Feds had they have some um, they have some plans if that does happen. So interestingly, Andreas uh, was also sort of looking at this, not only the plans that are in place should we get down to the wire, but also the kind of maneuvering that now happens once we've reached it. Because, you know, there's the deadline and then there's the real deadline. Um, and in the third installment of uh, his new show, Steno Signals, he talks about the liquidity impacts of that um, and also what it might mean for equity prices, if that could be positive for equity prices. Let's have a listen to that clip. If we are to see an increase of 200 to 300 billion worth of dollar liquidity to commercial banks, then we should expect the S&P 500 to trade around 4,000 and maybe even slightly above the 4,000 level as a consequence of it, since it increases risk taking on the margin uh, as a consequence of a lack of bonds issuance, but also as a consequence of a larger cash buffer at these commercial banks. If we look at equity sectors relative to this dollar liquidity addition, I've made a heat map on the sensitivity of various equity sectors relative to this uh, liquidity increase that we are likely to see in February and March. And um, it's not really a surprise that uh, some of the riskiest and sectors in equity space uh, tend to gain the most from such a liquidity increase. And here I'm talking about tech, I'm talking about consumer discretionary, rather Tesla, um, to be concrete, and uh, some of these high-risk stocks. They tend to perform when we see a dollar liquidity addition to the market. Uh, that was exactly the case throughout 21 as well, when we had a large QE program running. Uh, liquidity additions um, equals a strong risk sentiment and performance in high sensitive sectors such as tech and consumer discretionary. And uh, oh boy, consumer discretionary um, is performing so far this year, probably as a consequence of this wave of dollar liquidity being added to markets uh, throughout the first quarter of the year. And you can find Andreas's sort of whole thesis on that thinking on our website, on our platform. Um, he talks about the impact on bonds and currencies as well. Just a caveat, you know, guys, this is not investment advice. It's Andreas's theory. So you need to watch the whole thing to see whether you agree with him or whether it kind of matches up with your risk profile. But uh, Tommy, you have any thoughts on that? I'm not quite sure that it's going to be as incrementally positive for tech stocks and other assets unless we see really poor earnings and things get pushed down further uh, i think then they're going to start to inject more liquidity into the markets in their own secretive little way whether it's janet yellen with her joystick um you know doing that you know adding a little to the banks each day and say here go crazy guys but uh, i I don't know. I think that we just need to get through this earnings period. Um, and I think looking forward into April, I think it's going to be even even tougher because I think that we, we're going to lose a little bit of, of momentum. Um, it, we always do in the first quarter. There's, you know, people will blame the weather. So. Yeah. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Um, we have a question uh, from Max, one of our favorites. Any views on banks coming out of earnings? Yeah, I, I'll tell you, not great. And I, I can't, I mean, I will say that it's just, I think they still have real problems with investment banking earnings, just dreadful. I mean, we knew they were going to be bad. They've been bad for, you know, three quarters. And maybe they'll get better. I mean, they can't get that much worse, but there's just no momentum there. Higher rates, um, you've had, you know, uh, net interest income, uh, the benefit from higher rates. That might be in the in the rearview mirror now because rates have moved lower. Uh, I don't think lending is necessarily that great, but it could pick up a little. Uh, if we do have lower rates, uh, we did see mortgage applications uh, spike this week. That was positive. And then trading, I think, is just sort of blah. It's not great. Um, and, you know, the first quarter is never necessarily a really great quarter uh, for trading. So I think that you just are this, you know, most of the, the CEOs are sort of blase about the economy. They don't see like a hard landing. It's going to be a soft landing, mild recession. So that's where we are right now. Uh, they, they've taken some provisions, maybe not enough. And, um, you know, I think they're just generally cautious. They're not really on offense right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that sort of feeling that you, it's hard to get this conviction or you, it's hard to sort of, it just feels like everyone's kind of mired in this uh, uncertainty, I guess. Matt uh, put a chart in the Daily Briefing newsletter uh, for any of those uh, those of you who saw it showing a survey of asset allocators. I mean, these come out from different you know, organizations, but it showed again that the majority were underweight U.S. equities. And I've heard people talking about the new acronym is um, ROW, rest of the world, right? We're hearing a lot of like U.S. equities have had their day. You look at emerging markets. Um, by the way, if you're not receiving the newsletter, Brian will pop something in the link so you can get it. It's free. Um, where, where do you come down on that, Tommy? Does it feel like everyone's too negative about U.S. equities? Or is oh, it justified? I, you know, like I, I saw the Bank of America fund manager survey, and it yeah, that's what like, this is, I think. Yeah, and and what I what I came what came out of it for me was that it was like one drop down, and mm -hmm. the other periods when it was low, it was like quarters and months, mm -hmm. and it took longer being underweight. And I think everybody's in this mode of like, oh, we want it just to bounce back. Oh, if it's low, it's going to bounce back. Not necessarily. And so I, and look, my view, I'm really bearish on Europe and I have tons of mark exhaustion signals. Uh, I think that there's a lot of overly bullish comments coming out of Europe. Oh, it's not going to be a recession. We're taking a recession call off. Goldman did the other day. Mm. Uh, I think they're more at risk of a recession than the U.S. And, you know, I think the, the ECB is going to keep raising rates. They're probably six months behind the U.S. as far as where they should be with rates. And, um, you know, I, I just, you know, but here's the other thing. I think they'll be faster to turn on QE or um, do something to stimulate the economy if something breaks. I mean, they do have a war happening in in Ukraine. Yeah. And it's oh, taking hello. a lot of resources. Just, that, and, just in yeah. case any of us forgot. 
So there is, you know, there is other risks out there, um, but I, I'm I'm short um, all the European ETFs. Hmm. We we had a question about: Are there any non-financial issues you could think have the biggest impact? Is is the war one of your one of your largely a concern for you still? One of the risks you see out there that's maybe underappreciated at the moment. Although I don't know how I can even say that sentence, but yeah, you know, I I was looking. You know, I don't think people are as concerned about it as they were a year ago um, when it started. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of unknown. Now there's a lot of known. I mean, I was looking at the Drudge report today. And it showed that, you know, like the front thing said, like it had a mushroom cloud of an atomic bomb. And it said, you know, Russia would nuke if they are attacked or I forget if they started to lose. That's the concern. You have somebody that's a little unhinged in Putin. Uh, and if he starts losing and, and embarrasses himself more and he sees no way out, you know, I hope I'm super wrong on this one, but that's a concern. Um, you know, his view on nuclear weapons is he'd use tactical smaller weapons uh, in certain places um, in Ukraine uh, and seem to justify it. That's, mm -hmm. I've read that, I've heard that. Um, yeah, there's that issue right there. And if that happens, um, <laughs> you, you want to be as max short as possible that day because it's not going to be a, a simple outcome. No, it's it's interesting that and it's a really good reminder, isn't it, to bring that up, because I can't think of the last daily briefing I did where that was uh, a risk that we talked about because it's just been sitting there for the year. And not that people have forgotten, but it it does kind of it's easy to kind of move it off onto the side burner. I um, mean, when it's yeah. such a huge, important issue, it probably and, shouldn't and be there. The, wep the weaponry that Ukraine is getting from the West is in increasing. Yeah. And, you know, that I mean. This isn't going away, and you saw this, you know, helicopter with an interior minister get shot down yesterday. It's still real, real bad and yeah. volatile. And if another higher level Ukrainian leader gets taken out or something, a, a Russian leader gets taken out or something, you know, all hell could break loose. So, yeah, I'm hope, hopefully I'm wrong on this and I'll be right on stocks. Okay, so let's just. <laughs> Okay. Let's just, let's hope that. Let's hope that. But my takeaway is that it this is it's complicated, right? The risks are complicated. Trying to handicap something like an unpredictable war is handicapped, and the at least first quarter here for you, from your point of view, is going to feel a lot like we're in battle with no clear directive, no real clear sense of the market. So you're going to have to stay really focused pretty short term, pretty nimble, and really size those positions accordingly, because it's kind of hard to make a convicted outsized bet, given all the uncertainties out there. Is that a pretty good summary? I, I, I Yes, I think so. Um, I think it's just, you know, I, I still like, I'll diversify myself. I'm not going to, you know, short 10 stock or 10 tech names or um, 10 of anything. Uh, so I always have like a very wide, diverse sector focus. Um, I keep my sizing under 5% max position anytime. Uh, if I'm wrong, I'll be moving on to, you know, I'm happy to take a loss and and move on. If you have a small position, it's not going to necessarily, you know, crush you. Um, I get hot sometimes. I get cold sometimes. Um, you know, I'm going to just try and stay on the right side of the market. And it, we could have, I think, three or four really good buying opportunities this year and selling opportunities. 
So everybody's been saying, oh, the strategist, oh, it's going to be a weak first half and a better second half. And, you know, that's sort of the Pollyanna version of it. It's going to be great later. Um, but I, I think that you got to be on guard right now because we've got some earnings coming out, some big ones they could surprise. So, yeah, we're going to have to uh, buckle up and we're, we're going to try to help everybody through it as much as we can. Tom, it's been so great to catch up with you. We're having demands from the crowd that we get you back for one of our Friday, our new Friday extended daily briefings. So we'll we'll make sure to hook up with your calendar and see if we can make Let's that happen. Let's do it. Let's get a Friday going. Um, <laughs> Drinks for everybody. We'll do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, done that <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, tomorrow for the, as you, as you all know, and if you don't, we're doing extended, special extended, Friday versions of the daily briefing so we can try to cap capture and talk about some of these really important issues because it is such a difficult environment. Uh, tomorrow, Jem Carson is going to be with us. Um, we're going to talk about if and when the Fed will pivot the compressed volatility, monthly options expiries. We're going to try to break it down, make it as understandable for everyone as we can. There's some really important things going on. Tommy alluded to them earlier. We're going to try to unpack that all with Jem tomorrow. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. So if you're not a member and you want to watch the entire show, uh, find the link. It's all over the place, a QR code. You can sign up for that. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.